Hello and welcome to the Red Hand Podcast. The Red Hand provides next-level Ulster rugby coverage, offering fans unrivaled insight, unfiltered opinion, powerful stories, and accessible analysis. Every minute of every game is covered with weekly in-depth written articles, interviews with players past and present, analysis from rugby experts, and a podcast in which we preview and review Ulster's games and discuss all things Ulster Rugby. To gain full access, please join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the red hand or visit theredhand.co. Welcome to the Red Hand Podcast. We have an incredible panel tonight and a lot to discuss. If you didn't see the game at the weekend, Ulster beat Edinburgh 28-14 to secure home advantage in the URC playoffs. Ulster got the job done, but as some have commented, maybe not in the style that some fans would have wanted. Tries from Stockdale, Timoney and Cooney, who also kicked 13 points, secured the win, which was pretty vital for Ulster and obviously getting the the home quarter and semi. So it was key. It's an interesting time for Ulster. There's talk of trouble in the camp, but the team continue to win on the pitch, which is an important thing. A few big names have have announced that they're leaving. Uh, and we await news on the status of some others. The subject of Ulster's performances is dividing fans. Are we playing at our potential? Uh, is it the end of a coaching cycle? All questions we've asked in the pod before. Is the atmosphere at the Kingspan flat, as Stevie Ferris suggested during the week? Are we good enough to potentially win something this year? Or is another year of transition and building? So to discuss all these things and more, I'm joined by Nathan, Johnny, Ross, an Edinburgh fan, Craig. So great to have you all. Before we get stuck in, a couple of new names there for you we've had. Uh, obviously, Nathan and Ross have been on before, but Craig and Johnny, it's your first time. So we'll start with you, Johnny. We, we often, I send you before we record, and we often use your stats. And uh, I, I'm sure all these guys probably follow you on Twitter and uh, with, with interest. So tell us a wee bit about what you do, how you use stats and analysis to promote a better understanding of rugby. Uh, yeah, so... Uh... I'm Johnny. I'm I work for Opta, so I've done that job for quite a few years now, since 2014. Um, so yeah, my my job is a, as a rugby editor. So Opta, if you if you don't know who they are, you know we collect, analyze, package, distribute data uh, for a number of sports. So probably the biggest sport would be football, obviously, but we also collect rugby data, cricket, tennis, basketball, loads of other sports as well. So um, my role is to kind of head up this sort of editorial um rugby coverage sort of globally and um, it's quite a small team but uh, we do cover loads of loads of different leagues across uh, across the globe and um, so yeah we essentially editorialize all all the numbers that come in so obviously um yeah working in stats it's all numbers and stuff but you know you want to editorialize that data and, and be able to find find a narrative i guess and um, so my job uh, is yeah doing that essentially um so we write you know pre-match facts we create documents for broadcasters commentators journalists so on uh, we provide help desk for for those uh, clients as well so if they have questions like data leg questions that they want to ask them maybe writing an article about a certain player and um, we can provide data to support that and um, we work with you know governing bodies brand agencies all that kind of thing so it's it's quite a vast uh, array of stuff that we do but yeah all kind of falls under that data editorial so yeah hopefully that's a, a good enough intro <laughs> 
Absolutely. No, that's that's really interesting stuff. And look, there's um a blend of stats. We always try and include stats. And as I say, we often draw on your resources and things that you put up on Twitter and a really really interesting insight into uh maybe the way Ulster are playing, the way the opposition have played, what they're doing well, what maybe could could be better. Uh so like it's it's great to have you on. I've been following you and wanted to have you on for a long time. So thanks for joining us. The other person who's new to the pod tonight is Craig. So uh, Craig, tell us a wee bit about your own podcast. Uh, Craig has snuck in. He's an Edinburgh fan, but he snuck onto this pod. Uh, and we're delighted to have him, as we always are with opposition fans, to give us a perspective from outside the Ulster Rugby bubble. Tell us a bit about your podcast, how long you've been doing that, and a bit about your own background in rugby in terms of both playing, uh, coaching and supporting Edinburgh. Oh, that's great. Thanks for having us, having uh, having me on and letting an, an Edinburgh supporter sneak on. Um we, uh, I'm a contributor to the Scottish Rugby podcast, um, and a writer on the Scottish Rugby blog. Um, my background is uh, I've been I've played since I was around 14 years old, um, and and those that can't, you know, on my on our pod we we, we have the video up so you don't see that I'm a mass, I'm a, a bit of a front rower, typical front rower. Um, so uh, I then went into coaching with my son became of age to uh, play rugby and I've coached um, now for, I've coached everything from senior men, senior women for eight years um, and youth rugby. Um, and that's my sort of background. Being an Edinburgh fan because I'm an Edinburgh boy, I was born in Edinburgh so uh, and my family are from Edinburgh. So I've always, uh, always followed the team for my sins. And that's about it, really. Very good, Craig. It's, it's great to have you. As I say, look, we, we love hearing from opposition fans. It gives us and hearing about Ulster from your perspective as well, because we get into this bubble and like, there's other guys, Ross on, uh, who's a big Ulster fan. Uh, Nathan tries to come at things as uh, from a, a fairly neutral perspective, a supporter of Irish rugby as opposed to any one province. Um, but we'll turn to Nathan now. Um, and talk about the game at the weekend. So, um, and this will form sort of the first section of our discussion. So, Nathan, talk us through that game from an Ulster perspective. What did you make of that team performance? Um, I think it was, you know, all by and by positive. Um, obviously that sluggish start, wasn't it? When Edinburgh had kind of had two prolonged attacks, one nearly ended with Duhan going over, and the other ended with uh, Darcy Graham going over. Uh, the Ulster's backline defence is a bit shaky. Um. The try came from transition, which we've kind of spoken about before. I think it was back in the Benetton game. They got burned um, off transition, turnover, kick, return, defence. And that kind of came back to haunt them a little bit here uh, the other night. Um, Tumanga Allen knocks on a kick, doesn't he? And Edinburgh go wide and get some joy. Um, I think Stu Moore gets caught out wide defending. He's not very comfortable there. Makes the wrong decision. Doesn't go for the ball. Dummy and Edinburgh score. Um, but they responded well. Um, I thought the power game after a slow start got better. Um, the pick-and-go game, the close exchanges got a lot better. You saw that with the Timoney try. The Cooney try was an absolute gift. Um, I don't even think you can say that Cooney came shooting out the line. He was about a yard in front of his defender on his right-hand side, and Kinghorn just didn't see him and almost threw it forward uh, straight into him. So, you know, you can give Cooney credit there if you want, but I, I personally wouldn't give him that much uh, opportunistic, to say the least. Um, and in the end, look, it took a, what, a 75th-minute consolation from WP now to kind of turn that into a two-score game, didn't it? So, yeah, look, Edinburgh are a good side. They probably don't have them. Their league position isn't reflective of some of the names they have on their side, but to beat a side like that by 14 points and probably could have been more 
Um, had they have had they had not, you know, switched off towards the end would have been fantastic. And I know I say this every week, but the the Stockdale try was kind of again a showing of Ulster are kind of getting their strike players on the ball more. I think what in that try, all three back three players touched the ball. Uh, Gilroy, Balakun, and Stockdale are kind of all in the same fifteen yard space roughly. So look again, get Stockdale on the ball. It's kind of I say the same thing every week, but it, it worked out really well. And you could see even Balakun's little offload basketball pass over the top. Like these guys have got great skills and the more that they get them on show, the better. And I think Ulster are finally starting to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And for anyone listening for the first time, Nathan has been banging that drum for a, a long time and has predicted the rise again of Jacob Stockdale. Uh, whenever other people were not too sure at the beginning of the season, he's maybe a wee bit out of form. Uh, Nathan was saying, uh, no, he'll be back. And certainly I thought Stockdale had a really good game. Um, but I want to turn maybe and say it from another perspective, um, uh, from from you, Craig, what did you make of that Edinburgh performance? Can you maybe give us a wee bit of context? Because uh, obviously just with uh, rugby being rugby, it's hard to follow all the teams. So maybe we're not up to speed with um, how Edinburgh are getting on, what sort of season they've had so far. But maybe you could uh, bring us up to speed, put that game in context and tell us what you thought of that performance. Um, we, we've we've had a season to forget, um, to be honest. Um, the... If you look at the, the the roster of players that we have, um, and also um, some of the coaching staff on board, um, we came into the season very very buoyant. Um, and if if anyone listens to, does listen to the Scottish Rugby podcast, I maybe have made a few predictions that I'm now regretting. Um, but uh, it's uh, we have done. You know, it's just gone completely flat. There's there's many. You know, I was down at the Leicester game. Um uh, and a few got talking to a few of the fans and they couldn't believe the results we were getting with the roster of players that we have, um, including um, you know, half this half the Scotland team. Um, and obviously we the no matter what what the URC say, um that the governing bodies say that we're not going to have any um any loss of of key players um because of internationals, we are going to have those losses. Um and the guys who are behind um, the rankings and behind the internationalists when they come on, a lot of them just haven't performed. So you know, for us, obviously Mike Blair has found it found the pressure too much, and he's um and he's made the decision to stand down. We had some nice wins against Cast and Saracens, Ospreys. You know, we, we've we've done a um well, however however much you want to say that you've 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 had a good game against the Welsh team at this moment in time, but uh, it's um you know. We've we've done all right, but it just the the twelfth position is just back to the old days, and 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 we thought we'd um, ever since Cockrell came on board and then Mike Blair came on board, we thought uh, we'd banish the old days um, away, away, away from us, you know. But unfortunately, they're back. Interesting, and, and look, it puts it in context for us. Ulster had a pretty rocky uh, middle part of the season there over Christmas, and. Um, uh, you know, a lot of criticism directed at the the coaches at the setup generally. But um, as you say, look, whenever whenever Edinburgh the Edinburgh team was announced, you look through that team and you're like, flip, that's there's some great players in there. As you say, a lot of Scottish players, and so I was shocked at, at the league position. Uh, maybe I should have been paying more attention throughout the season, but I, I sort of thought, flip, that's um, what was it? Six Nations and stuff like a lot of those guys are away. Is it a problem of depth? Is it Craig or what's the situation there? 
The issue, the thing is, you know, if you look at some of the players that are coming through, um, Ben Muncaster, Connor Boyle, some of the back rowers that we have coming through, their initial performances have been fantastic. Um, one of the levers, um, uh, oh, Cammy, um, I've forgotten Cammy's second name, but he was playing, he came off injured in the game of the weekend. And these players are young players that are coming through. Paddy Harrison, um, who's uh, who carries in behind um uh, Cherry and Rambo and also um, uh, McBurney. You know he's he's they've been performing incredibly well, and then all of a sudden they get the chance to play for the senior team, and they seem to go missing for some reason. Um, we also have a few players that maybe are at the point where they just haven't come to fruition. Um, they make silly mistakes, um, which cost which costs us at times. It's usually the silly, like for example, Glenn Young at the weekend. You know, he was just unfortunately a penalty machine over the week on 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 the, on Friday. So, you know, he he can do better. Um, so I think it's it's I don't know whether it's an attitude or whether it's just um, you know when the pressure comes on uh, they they seem to to to, to lose their way. Um, but you know, it's it's a really there. Uh, to be honest, you guys are scratching your head when you look at the roster. Edinburgh fans are really scratching their head when they look at the roster, you know? <laughs> yeah, and look, I can relate to you in, in the sense that um, there are some Ulster guys, they go away and they play for Ireland and they look like superstars and they come back and maybe they're not so good. I'm thinking uh, Tom O'Toole, Treadwell. Treadwell's not even getting the Ulster team, but when he gets given a chance for Ireland, he always plays very well. It's sort of an interesting dynamic, people going away playing well for their country, and I do relate to you in, in that respect. Um I'm going to turn and and talk to uh, Ulster fan Ross Byrne. And Ross is one of the most knowledgeable uh, Ulster fans that I've come across. And if you follow on Twitter, you, you can stand to, to learn a lot. And they're always very reasonable viewpoints and um, it covers covers games extensively. And um, so, Ross, talk us through some of the key moments in that game. From an Ulster perspective, who are the, the key individuals that you would pick out in terms of the talking points, both good and bad from that game? Uh, thanks. Thanks very much for that uh, big compliment there, Peter. I'll uh, I'll slip you out twenty quid later. Um. So the I I like I I thought I, I thought, as with most Ulster games I've seen this season's been sort of a tale of two halves. The first the first half was fairly forgettable. The second half I thought I thought Ulster played quite well considering um the Nathan Dope playing wing. For Balakun because of the HIA, um, the, obviously I thought the the biggest key moment straight after halftime, um, as you said, uh, Blair Kinghorn shoot in the John Cooney's bread basket, and there we go, two two score game after an okay, uh, yeah, an okay first half, two late pa- two late penalties, um, which really 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 helped in that, and then just that. Moment, it sort of seemed. It's, it, I got the impression, sort of, sort of sapped all the momentum Edinburgh built up in the first half just out. And uh, you see, once, once that try was scored, you, uh, you were able. I, I thought you were able to just take it a wee, take a step back and be like, okay, yeah, no, it's, it's maybe not, it's maybe not gonna, um, that maybe that first half isn't gonna uh, come back and bite us. But yeah, no, it's definitely the, uh, the. Inter- John Cooney's intercept. Also, I th- like one I thought could have been a big uh, um, game aside moment was the amount of injuries Ulster shipped. Like we ended up 
Nick Timoney, one wing, Nathan Doke in the other. Um, Craig Gilroy was he playing centre? Uh, Stockdale fullback, and like it was like towards the end, it was a it was a real mishmash team thrown together. And like Nathan Dogan was the right wing up against Duhan van der Merve, and I think Duhan van der Merve only got the ball once. And to be to Nathan Dogan's credit, I'm not saying he's a bad tackler, but scrum halves come with this sort of stereotype that yeah, they're not too fond of a tackle. But he he, he got him around the around the knees and brought him. Uh, brought him to the ground. Um, yeah, that uh, that there, and then obviously uh, Kieran Treadwell, the uh, the tackle, try saving tackle. Oh, I can't I can't remember who it was on, who who it was on. Um, and then the ball was knocked over the line, uh, knocked on over the line. Uh, yes. Was so, that not the, the absolute obvious trip? Sorry. Was that not the absolute obvious trip that she did with the yellow card? Um, now, Craig. I have never once. <laughs> I have never once claimed to be um, impartial. I am probably the most uh, biased Ulster fan you'll ever meet. I will say that it was a genuine attempt to kick the ball away and not to take the legs from under <laughs> from under the Edinburgh players. But no, but at the same time, I thought I thought it was actually in all seriousness. I thought it was quite lucky not not to even go up and have a wee look because I was I, I'll not lie. I was hiding behind the 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 cushion in the uh, in the living room watching it, hoping they didn't they, they, they didn't go up because I think you're maybe right. There maybe was a case there, but that's uh, that's about as much level he- level headed you you'll get out of me tonight. And, and Ross, who would you pick out as sort of the key performers? You mentioned a couple there, but how important was, uh, i give you a couple there, Cooney, how important was he and how much better do you think Ulster playing Cooney's on the pitch? Um, it's strange. I, I, I don't really, I, everything just seems a lot smoother with uh, Cooney. Like, I'm I'm not for one second saying Nathan Doak's a bad player. Um, I'm, I'm not, and I'm not saying he's not as good as Cooney. But at the minute, I think there's sort of two different kinds of scrum halves. Um, to me, like Doak, I I, th- I think Doak's box kicks are pretty good. Um, you, he's he, he's good at coming on, sort of slowing the tempo down. Um, whereas Cooney, like Lafors, needed needed to be on their on their toes there at the weekend. There was uh, I thought also played at such at such a high tempo. Um, and other players. I thought with Balakun going off, I thought Gilroy and Stockdale marshaled the backfield really, really well. Uh, but they were allowed to do that because I'd, I'd be interested to see the uh, possession stats for the second half because it hardly felt like Edinburgh had a sniff of the ball until maybe about 12, 13 minutes to go. Um, and I think a lot of that has to go down to sort of the forward, the forwards up front for Mullen. Um, oh, Treadwell had a had a decent game. O'Connor never really. I don't think O'Connor doesn't let us down. And Dave McCann as well. I think Dave McCann should be one of the front runners for maybe an award or two at the end of the season. Interesting. Uh, yeah, McCann's someone who I thought would kick on maybe quicker than he has. But uh, since he's come into the team, it's quite reassuring to have both him and Sheridan step in and. I don't know. Uh, they both would probably be best at six, so there'll be a bit of a battle there uh, at six between between those guys. Good to have a bit of competition. Uh, Craig, the, the inevitable question, uh, Cooney sort of uh, expressed an interest, shall we say, in, in going to play for Scotland. Uh, your 
your colleague and, and co-host of the, uh, the Scottish Rugby pod said he was seventh choice for Scotland and they didn't really need him. <laughs> uh, and I, wa- I want to get your view on that because we we worship Cooney in, in, in Ulster. So uh, what do you think of, of him? Would you take him for Scotland? Um, well, short answer is no. Um, <laughs> but... Uh... Let me let me uh, clarify that um, a little bit. He is um, a fantastic player. Um, I've got you know we've got a lot of um, admiration for him, um, and also he would you know we we're not blessed with um, kickers, uh, a lot of uh, good kickers. So you know he would bring a certain something to either Glasgow or Edinburgh. But the problem we have is well, mind you, you know well I'll, I'll clarify this a little bit more, but. He, We've got George Horn is there um, playing uh, playing the games of his life at this moment in time. I'm a little bit biased. He's from my home club, so I can't uh, I can't say much more on that. Um, ben White is playing incredibly well as well, and is looking looking um, like he's a nailed on starter for Scotland. Um, Ali Price, the the the. Um, you can't deny his uh, his qualities, but he's he's just not playing that well at this moment in time. Um, I know John uh, mentioned um, a couple of other scrum halves. Ben Velicott has been fantastic for Edinburgh, um, and if we didn't have him, um, I think we would have probably been in the tall grass even more. So, um, you know, he's also Scots qualified as well. So I would probably say he's... Somewhere around third or fourth pick, I would say. Um, I thought John was maybe being a little bit, um, a little bit hard on him, you know. <laughs> that's that's much more generous. We appreciate that, Craig. It, it worked out well for everyone because you don't want them, and we really want to keep them. So everyone's happy. <laughs> so <it> works <laughs> out extremely well. So look, we'll turn turn to you now, Johnny. Excited to, to let you get a word in here. Um, so look, every every week in this podcast, we attempt to analyze and understand Ulster as best we can. Sometimes to help inform that, stats are really useful. So look, is there anything that you've picked up over the course of the season that you think would be helpful in us understanding Ulster's strengths and weaknesses? Um, yeah, obviously there's a lot of things. Um, I suppose the problem with stats is obviously you have to kind of run that eye test as well with them and I suppose understand why certain stats maybe don't tell the full story. Um, obviously, like on the on the whole, like Ulster <laughs> taking the most basic, um, Ulster score a lot of points compared to other URC teams, and they concede very few as well. Um, so the you know the kind of points and tries is, is obviously really good. Um, Ulster give themselves a lot of opportunities to score tries. Um, they average about just over 10, 22 entries per game. So only Leinster actually better that. Um, and if you look at the kind of Leinster blueprint, it's they're exactly the same kind of on a I know, like Ulster on steroids. I guess they 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 kind of do everything that we do, but they do it like you know ten times better almost. Um, and then in terms of like the twenty two entries, uh, uh, like sort of efficiency, um, it's only the Leinster, the Bulls, and the Stormers who have better uh, points per entry as well. So kind of being in that you know above average in terms of both having a high amount of entries and kind of you know being clinical in, in terms of taking them, um, Ulster kind of on the right side of, of both of those. Um, it's quite interesting when you look at Ulster, they, they're a really kind of carry-heavy team, um, similar, as I said, to Leinster. They, um, and actually, Munster have made the most carries of any any team this season, but um, Leinster and Ulster kind of sit there sort of neck and neck um, in second and third. Um, I think we guess the strange thing 
about that is the flip side is you would almost expect that they make fewer tackles than any other team, um, but also actually make the most tackles. Um, so it's quite interesting that they're so high up for both. So their games have loads of collisions, I would say. So um, I guess we would come on to kind of weaknesses later and looking at how Ulster fare in the final quarter of games. That's maybe something you can like take into consideration is their games are so attritional, so many carries, so many tackles. Um, you know, it's potentially why we have had so many injuries as well at the weekend. Um, but you know, generally their their tackle success is is good. They're kind of top four in that. They don't concede too many many penalties. Um, only the Lions concede a few. Don't concede many yellow cards. I think they're one of six teams not to receive a red card in the league so far this season. So, um, yeah, like on the whole, it's pretty good. And then that's not even touching the mall, which is you know undoubtedly the the biggest strength of Ulster. Um, you know, say what you want about the mall as a weapon in rugby. You can have your own kind of viewpoints in that, but why the laws are kind of there as, as they are um also may as well take full advantage of them like uh, every other team do so um like first and foremost you've got to have a good line out um so Ulster have the fourth best line out success rate in the ERC this season that's kind of um I, I guess when you look at how good Ulster's mall is you almost sort of forget you have to still win the line out um they set more malls than any other team this season um so they average about eight per game the majority of them obviously close to the opponent's try line in terms of actually retaining the ball, they have the best kind of retention rate. So when Ulster get the ball into the mall and, and kind of get it set, you know, it's highly unlikely that they're going to lose possession. They might not score a try from it, but they'll not turn the ball over over too easily. And then obviously that leads to tries. It leads to you know gaining the most amount of meters from malls as well. Um, I think only Glasgow have scored more tries than, than Ulster this season directly from malls. Um, and obviously, you know, not direct from malls, but Obviously, Tom Stewart is really good at peeling off and, and kind of making his own carry on the way to the line, which wouldn't count in that figure. So um, the mall is a, is a huge uh, source of, um, of tries for Ulster. Um, and it's quite interesting. I, I was looking earlier about, uh, you know, like strike rates um, from, you know, when teams have a line out inside the opposition 22 or inside the opposition sort of 10 metres from the try line. Um, and when Ulster win the line out, their strike rate is about 42%. Um, when they're inside the opposition 22, which is the best of any team. Um, so, you know, that's undoubtedly a huge strike. So even if they're not mauling over, you know, somewhere along the line, it's quite likely that they'll, they'll you know, go through the phases and, and get over the line as well. So, um, yeah, that is, that's probably the biggest strength. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few teams around there that are, you know, not too far off that, but um, also they're certainly kind of top of the pile. And their mall defence is good as well. I think that's probably overlooked um, as well. I think only Leinster have conceded fewer mall tries than them this season. Um, and they don't really like give up too much ground. So they only concede like, you know, just over one metre per mall um, when when they're defending malls as well. So, you know, they're good at attack, but they're also really good in defence as well. Um, the flip side is obviously when you come up against a team who can defend the mall as well, then that's when you need your, your plan B. Um, but yeah, and then I guess to go on to the weaknesses, um, yeah, looking at the points kind of scored and conceded in, in each quarter of the game, um, Ulster are pretty positive for for every quarter until you get to that final quarter. So as I mentioned earlier, Ulster don't concede many points. Um, I think they they're conceded the third fewest. I think Munster and Leinster uh, have conceded fewer than the season. So pretty good defensive record, all things considered. But when you look at points conceded in the final twenty minutes of games, Ulster conceded one hundred and fifty. So it's only Zebra, Benetton, and the Lions who 
like none of them have really good defensive records. Only those three teams have conceded more points in the final twenty minutes of games. Um, and if you look at that as a percentage of the of the overall points that Ulster concede, that's about forty percent of the points that they concede come in that final twenty minutes of matches. So yeah, that that's obviously a bit of a worry. I think you know it's that's not going to be news to Ulster fans like. You know, closing out games, um, especially those tight ones, is has always been a worry over the last few seasons, really. Um, but yeah, those uh, sort of points in conceded in the final quarter is quite quite stark. It's the only quarter that Ulster do have a kind of negative differential in terms of points. Um, so yeah, it's that's certainly the the biggest sort of area of weakness. Um, and then one other one I kind of stumbled across, which I find quite interesting. Um, might be a little bit nerdy, but I'm um, just looking in terms of kickoffs um when Ulster take kickoffs they they barely ever win the ball back you know when they're when they're taking their own kickoffs which you know again that could be one of those stats that's quite misleading you know Ulster maybe kick long when they when they take kickoffs but on the kind of flip side of that when they're actually receiving kickoffs they have quite a low rate of um you know winning the ball compared to other teams so they win about 86 percent of of opposition kickoffs which you know sounds quite high but um, you know, you should be winning the majority of, of kickoffs when the, the other team's kicking into you. On the flip side of that, Connacht, um, who obviously will face, they have the highest uh, rate as well. So um, it'd be quite interesting kind of when it comes to that, that quarterfinal game, looking at the sort of kickoff, that little mini set piece um, and seeing how. A lot of people who play or used to play rugby listen to this podcast. If you're struggling with an injury, lack of mobility or some form of pain that you've just got used to living with, then you need to get it sorted. Back to Better Physiotherapy is a physio practice I highly recommend. The practice owner John Quigg is extremely experienced. He's worked with professional sports teams such as Ulster Rugby and Middlesbrough Football Club. Back to Better provide physiotherapy, massage treatment, personal training and rehab. They also have an ice bath and sauna in-house, which are fantastic for recovery and health. They're located at the Building Box Gym in East Belfast. Book using Instagram at Back to Better Physiotherapy or type their number in your phone now. 075-685-3022. That's 075-685-3022. Get in touch with them and get your aches and pains sorted. William Carlyle Coaching. Helping yo-yo dieters stop living their life on a diet and achieve long-lasting fat loss results. We've helped hundreds of dieters ditch the strict, boring and bland diets whilst losing 15 pounds minimum in 90 days. This is all done with the Fit for Life Transformation Programme. It's the counterintuitive approach to weight loss and will change your life forever. If you want to know more, grab your phone or pen and paper to write down my social accounts. On Instagram, it's at William Carlyle Coaching. On Facebook, it's just William Carlyle. If you'd be interested in learning more, drop me a message and let's chat. I also fair in that, but you know, on the whole, there are a huge amount of weaknesses. And I said there's there's quite a lot of strengths for Ulster. Generally, they're kind of in that top half of the league for a lot of metrics, as you would expect for a team that finished second. Um, and there aren't too many weaknesses, but there are one or two that I think um the coaches staff might might have a few headaches over. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, Johnny, look, I, I could listen to that all day, like all the stats. And there's some things that sort of inherently new, but it's it's good to hear things backed up, but also some surprising ones there and, and sort of simple things like the kickoffs, which are really interesting. And I'm just keen before, before we move on to know 
how much weight do you think we can put behind stats? Because there's this debate, and, and you say yourself, there's the eye test. Sometimes you just have to watch a game and you get a better understanding. Where do you think that balance sits? And also, um, we, we have access to, to some stats after a game. You can see how many carries and tackles and things like that. But if you're analysing a player or an individual, for example, how important are stats? And where does the balance lie in all of this between stats and just and just watching? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I suppose stats allows you to kind of um, get that idea of you've got like a bigger sample and kind of lets you drill down into who, you know, which player might be best or which team might be best. Then obviously you're combining that with your own analysis. So you know, I've, I've never worked in a club environment, but I would suspect that, you know, pro analysts would, would take the data and, you know, find the trends that kind of sit within that. And then they'll kind of dig into that, use the footage and kind of go, you know, really into the nitty gritty. Um, so yeah, it, you know, most people I think who work in stats would 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 never say that you know stats are the be all and end all. Um, which you know a lot of people who don't don't really appreciate stats probably would think that that is that's the case and that's how we we sort of think. Um, but no, you, you have to kind of use your own sort of uh, common sense initiative and, and and sort of ask questions why that why the data might be saying that. Um, so obviously kickoffs is an interesting one. Like you know, Ulster only went two point four percent of their own kickoffs or retained possession from them. But obviously, you know, you have to look into, well, do they kick long? So they never actually give themselves a chance to win the ball or do they kick short? So, um, yeah, there are, you obviously have to, yeah, you know, use your own, own mind to kind of make up, uh, con- you know, get to the conclusion of, you know, um, of, of what it means really. Yeah, yeah, of course. And look, I, I think I will watch games from a different perspective now and we things like that, just a, a, even the kickoff thing, you know, it sounds simple in some ways trivial, but then in terms of momentum and and the psychological effect of of getting the ball back from a, a restart would be, I would say, fairly massive. Just because there's that sense of momentum swinging your direction, but all all very interesting. And and sort of we'd have you on every week if we could uh, to give us a breakdown. But uh, no, love that. In terms of. Um, uh, Next week, um, or rather, this is at the sixth of May. Uh, Ulster preparing to face Connacht. So I want to turn to Nathan now. And um, apart from kickoffs, which we know uh, Ulster are very good at, and Connor or Ulster are not very good at, and Connacht are very good at. What will Ulster do you think be looking to improve on as they prepare to to face Connacht at home? Well, I found the stat about the last quarter really interesting because I just as soon as he said that, I just went back to like high profile last quarter defeats. And the one that sticks out to my mind was Toulouse last uh was it last year? Yeah, it was last year now in uh, in the second leg, because that was when Dupont took over the game in the last 10 minutes. So it's interesting. So I wonder if the reason why not the reason, there's obviously gonna be a lot of things that play into this, but one of the reasons why the last quarter is so dodgy is because of we always talk about depth concerns with Ulster, and that kind of feeds into one thing Ulster could improve is is just keeping guys on the park. Who who do they have out? Just uh, who went off? Balak, um, Hume went off. Larry went off. Andy Warwick went off. I know there's another name in there, so that's you know, that's an improve. Like there's nothing I don't know. There's nothing you can do there, but just keeping guys on the pitch uh, certainly will help. Um, I think the backline defense kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but whatever about transition and problems there. I mean, just in that. Edinburgh Purple Patch when like King Hong was pulling the strings a little bit I just thought you know, he was taking a lot of balls out the back and there wasn't any pressure being put on that front door runner so the guy who decides whether he goes to the short option or at the back to King Hong like there, nobody was pressurising that decision or trying to force a mistake in that transfer and I thought also quite passive um, probably because a lot of those instances were in transition and, and they were struggling to reset so I thought maybe you know 
just win, get off the line a little bit quicker um, in all aspects of defence. Um, a couple of power things. I mean, Bill Matta, I thought when Edinburgh were on top, was playing pretty well. He ran through Stuart Moore one time. Maybe that doesn't happen if McCluskey's playing. Uh, he ran through Vermeulen as well, which is, again, you know, we've talked a lot about Vermeulen on this pod, but um, to be fair, Vermeulen played well in other facets of the game. So maybe just a few things like that. Um, and the one thing that obviously needs to be top-notch for Ulster to dominate the line-out more, and again, Johnny touched it, is is, is the line-out itself. And Connacht's line-out, I don't know the stats behind it, but, you know, on eye test-wise, one of the few times I've watched them this year, they've been pretty good. I mean, they've got the two Murray brothers in there, Niall and Dara, who did a job on Leinster's line-out not too long ago in the RDS. So, um, you know, Ulster needs it. I mean, that not, might not be an improvement, but it's something they need to be need to be conscious of. And Kian Prendergast is a decent line-out operator as well. So, um, yeah, there's a few things in there, but, you know... Um, I think if if they get their ball going and sort out their backline defence, they should they should have enough for them. Interesting about the line out, and they are good good line out disruptors, which could be key whenever Ulster, as you as you say, when we rely so heavily, that could be really key. Um, in terms of uh, Craig, I'm, I'm keen to hear from you. In, in terms of outside perspective, um, what is your perception of Ulster more generally? So, um. Are there any players that you're particularly impressed with from Ulster? Maybe people who surprise you or um, guys maybe you didn't know that much about until you come to watch the sort of the Edinburgh-Ulster game. And where do you think Ulster sit in terms of the hierarchy? And, and bear in mind your audience here, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's it's a weird one. I, I um, used to come over and work in... Uh, uh, in Belfast and surrounding area with uh, with my work, so I've I've visited Ulster, um, uh, the Kingspan a couple of times, and I, I do watch them regularly because I've got a friend who lives over in Portadown who actually is an Ulster fan, but he's also an Edinburgh fan, so um, we keep in touch a little bit, and um, so I watch a little bit. Uh, I do watch Ulster regularly because you're always. I always felt that you're you, when you're watching Ulster, you're. I would say they're one of the more open rugby. Teams um, and, and, and from 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 Ireland, um, they 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 they're not afraid to have the ball and play the ball rather than uh, kick it away or or what's the word play a defensive game rather than a than an attacking game. Um, it, you might find that John Johnny will um, completely turn that upside down with his with his uh, stats on me, but um, they always just felt uh, when I you're always expecting a a, a running game from from Ulster, um, you know, people like Mike Lowry and um um and, and Jacob Stockdale. Stockdale I was disappointed in obviously because he's had his big injury and then he's he's taking his time to come back. But he's still how do he was he was the original Duhan van der Merver before Duhan van der Merver came along. You know, he was a a big lad with a lot of pace. Um he's very impressive. But for me I was always impressed with Balakun. I, I, I saw him coming on when he was young, um, watched a couple of games, a couple of his first games and, and was really taken taken by his skill and his his go forward for the size of the guy. Um I also you can't um you can't sit back and not be impressed with Mick and Timoney. Um I, however I do think that um you know the you've brought a couple of imports in um and they've not performed. Suz, um Rory Sutherland, obviously with his injuries and then he's struggling to make the the the, the starting team. Um and also Dwayne Vermeulen I've not been very impressed with. Now I've not listened to what you guys have been saying um regularly on your on your podcast, but I expected a, a far bigger um performance from him over the time he's been with the team. 
Um, so uh, you know, it's it's. I would say that I would say they're obviously second in the tier, and uh, you know, because I I don't think Munster. You know, I'm, I don't. I honestly don't think Munster can hold a candle Ulster at the moment in time. And by and, and I'm obviously bearing in mind who I'm talking to at the moment. Um, but uh, you know, obviously there's the juggernaut that is the the Borg, um, Leinster, um, who. How you know we could probably get into the funding and the, the discussion on money and the discussion of all the different things that that um, Leinster um, uh, have at their disposal. So I don't think there's very many teams in Europe um, that can live with uh, Leinster at this moment of time. But I'll still give it a, a, a damn good try, and it's a, it's um, and you almost beat them a couple of seasons ago in the final, did you not? So uh, um, you know, very I think impressive, obviously, and also the other thing. I just want to say, um, Dan McFarlane. We just about we, we. I was one of the people that thought he would be. He would make quite a good Scotland manager, um, uh, Scotland coach as well. And uh, I think he's maybe getting a little bit too much of a hard rap at this moment in time um, because you're sitting second in the URC. So and from down here in twelfth, that he looks pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, really interesting, Craig. Like a, a few points there. I think Dan McFarlane does. It does get a hard time. There's sort of an exclusive article there. From Brandon Fanning, which appeared, and I find found it very interesting reading. There may be some clashes there in the background. We don't know fully what's happening, but um, uh, the, the argument and this was the jury is out somewhat over over Dan. I think he's a great appointment, and he came in with a really good reputation as a great technical coach. Whether that translates into being a good head coach. Um, obviously he's good, but it's whether he can take Ulster to the top level, whether he has brought the guys on sufficiently and it's the end of a coaching cycle. Who knows? Uh, I think uh, we would need to be in training. We need to be speaking to the guys directly to know exactly what's happening there. Uh, Vermeulen and guys might want to come in on this. I, I think Vermeulen's a really interesting one um, because... We had Kutsia before, and Kutsia was so totemic. Do you know, he was just like one of these guys. He as close to a one-man team as you could get in terms of his carrying ability. We'd really have needed, to be honest, to make up for the loss of uh, Kutsia. You'd need two good carriers, defence everything. He's one of those all-rounders. Now, Vermeulen's come in, he does a slightly different role. In fact, quite a different role. He's, he's not maybe the player he once was in terms of his carrying but his his presence and his his um, impactful moments do make a big difference. But I, I do get what you mean. I think if you speak to speak to hundred Ulster fans, you'll get different answers on, on the impact that Vermeulen has had. I, I personally think he's been good, and I think we've discussed in this podcast that he's done it. He's done a job. It's a different job to could say, but he's done a done a job. Um, but yeah, look, I think it's really interesting to hear where we sit in, in the Irish provinces. No surprise that um, uh, you, we do sit. There's a gulf between us and Leinster currently, and um, that is. And Nathan would admit this off record that Leinster are basically cheating because they spend so much money. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> Nathan's never said that. <laughs> um, but yeah, really interesting to hear. Your outside perspective, there, Craig, and um, look, I, I want to sort of look ahead now and, and ask Ross to predict uh, what are Ulster's chances of making it through to the final of the URC in Dublin, and, and just a wee add on to that as well. What would it, what would a successful season be for Ulster? Do you think? Um, sorry, for, firstly, just on Dwayne Vermeulen, um, I personally don't think Ulster went in South Africa if they didn't have Dwayne Vermeulen on the pitch. Um, yeah, I don't know why. Can't 
quantify it. It's just some. It's just something I I just, I don't think Ulster win. But yeah, sorry. Um, so obviously the the goal at the start of the season is um to finish top two in uh in the league. Ulster have done that. Gives them home quarter final, potentially a home semi final, and then either a trip down to Dublin or uh, a home final, if obviously if they get that far. Uh, Connacht is a quarterfinal. And then I think it would be the, if they beat Connacht, it would be the winners of Stormers and Bulls. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I think Connacht will be a, I think Connacht will be a tricky game. Um, the Ulster haven't really had it all their own way against Connacht and, Recent years, after I think it was up until about 2018, when Connacht won for the first time in 60 years, or and uh, uh, first time in a long time, um, and sort of since then there's been a couple of results. Like Ulster have got over the line, but they haven't maybe been convincing. It'll be an it's an interpro. It'll be uh, it's an inter. Not only is it an interpro, it's an interpro in knockout rugby. So two fully loaded teams going going at it. I can't see. I, I, I don't think it will be a landslide to either side, but uh, I, I think I obviously think also I don't tip against Ulster too often, so I think I'm not going to change that now. I think Ulster will uh, win that, and then I think say they do win that. The fact that then the South African sides have to travel to Kings to Kingspan Ravenhill um, with a week a week in between matches. Um, will sort of play against them. I I think also have a really good chance of making the final, and I think that that really should be that should be the goal from now. Um, and then if we get to the final, obviously hope one hope it's not against Leinster, mm-hmm. and then two worry about that, <laughs> worry about that then if that happens. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. No, I I think uh, I, I like your positivity, and I think we should. Like, I think we should be beating these two teams. So Stormers at home. Sorry, I'll not skip ahead. Con it first. I think we should be beating them. No reason we shouldn't be. And then Stormers at home as well. Home games make such a huge difference in rugby, in particular. Like, um, Fortress Kingspan. We need. I think the first made a fair point during the week about the atmosphere. Were you there, Ross? Actually, at the game or? Uh, no, um, because because of my job, I don't normally get. I don't usually get finished in time, uh, so I don't get. I, I've actually only been to two matches this season, and uh, they've lost both. So I'm not going to go for the rest of the year because <laughs> I can be quite superstitious like that. Yes, do us um, a favor, Ross. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, unfortunately, I missed it. I would, yeah. Yeah, I I be like I'm a season ticket holder and have been since as a small child. But uh, in terms of the atmosphere, it has it's, it's just not the same. And we always get a good crowd out out of interest. Craig, how many would you typically get along at Edinburgh home games? Um, well, it's it's uh, I've been in the days where there was fifteen hundred people there um, in the middle of Murrayfield. Uh, you know, you don't know what the noise that fifteen hundred people making a sixty thousand seater. Um, it's quite dry, quite dire. But um, now we've got the new Dam Health. Um, we're we're getting an average of about six and a half seven thousand, um, uh, which uh, you know has has been fantastic. We. We uh, I do look on look upon the King Span Raven Hill as uh, with a little bit of envy um, when you see the place full and rocking, um, but uh, you know uh, we we can just we can dream at times. 
Yeah, uh, King Kingspan in fairness, great stadium and great facilities, good for a night out. Like it's well kitted out. There's a food village and all. It's mainly what I'm interested in. <laughs> I sometimes make it to the rope. Usually, I'm just <laughs> stood at the hot dog vendor. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's class and like we we'll probably do get I would say I'd love to know what we average um maybe twelve twelve to fifteen thousand somewhere around there packed out I think its capacity is is eighteen maybe if it's absolutely packed out um but we do pretty well and I think we've one of the the highest attendances in the URC is just I'm just taking I'm just rubbing this in Craig this is the only reason I asked <laughs> thanks for that appreciate it. <laughs> My original point was going to be that it's actually we'd love a better atmosphere. You know, just having people there maybe doesn't make a huge difference, but getting it rocking on a European night it does. You know, on a Saturday night, people have been out all day at the pubs and they come to the stadium and the atmosphere is class. Or if you're playing certain teams, it used to be playing English teams at Kingspan, nothing better. But um, yeah, I, I don't think we'll have any issue selling this out. You know, for the iconic, I think people will be up for that. And every chance of getting through to the final. So, um, I just want to turn to to Johnny quickly here. Uh, are there any sort of stats of interest about Connacht? Um, and I can pass. I'll I'll make a note and pass it on to Dan McFarland where where to target them. Yeah, give, give me a job there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, first off, Connacht's actually going to be my first and only game of this season. Um, I live in Scotland, so I, I don't get the chance to to watch Ulster much. So, um, yeah. I had a look at Connacht, um, their league league campaign. I'm sort of, I guess, slightly naive to how good a run they'd been on. Um, kind of coming into, well, coming into the Glasgow game at the weekend, they obviously ran, you know, Glasgow fairly close, um, closer probably than Ulster did, um, a, a few weeks, well, a couple of months ago, um, but yeah, uh, Connacht obviously had a really kind of rough start to the season. Um, their season started with a, a bit of a hammering at Ravenhill. So, you know, hopefully that's how their season ends as well. Um, but they started obviously against Ulster, away to, away to Ulster, then a South African tour to the Bulls and, and Stormers. And then they played Munster and Leinster. So um, I think they, they beat Munster um, in that kind of opening block of fixtures. But, you know, they lost all four games against who the teams who were the four semi-finalists from last year's URC. So it wasn't actually, it wasn't really the easiest start for Connacht. So they've kind of been playing catch-up all season, um, a little bit like Munster sort of have been as well. Um, and then they kind of come into um, into sort of since the, the new year, really, where they won six in a row and then, uh, you know, had that defeat to Glasgow. So they're in a really, really good run of form. Um, Ulster have also won six of their last seven as well. So they're both kind of, um, you could sort of argue that they're both in, in really similar form to each other. Um, so I had a, a little look at, at Connick's match averages since that kind of run of form began, that, that kind of run of six and six and seven. Um, and they've averaged five, five point three tries per game during that run, which is you know pretty good. It's uh, second only to Monster who have averaged five point four uh, tries per game. Um, they don't stand out like massively um in too many attacking categories, but if if you look at their carries and their line breaks, they they only take about 19 carries per line break. Um, which sort of puts them in the top five, kind of around you know Glasgow, Leinster up there as well. So, although they don't make like a huge volume of carries that Ulster maybe make or Leinster, um, you know they're they're pretty efficient and can can really cut you open if they if they're given the opportunity. Um, and then defensively they're pretty solid. They they average the most tackles per game in that run. Um, and their tackle success is only second to to Glasgow as well. So they, they make a huge amount of tackles, but they they don't miss many either as well. So, um, and probably most. Crucially for Ulster, um, during that run they've averaged three 
lineout steals per game, like three kind of clean lineout steals per game, um, which is comfortably the best of any team. Um, so the Dragons are second, uh, average about 1.4 per game. Um, so yeah, Connick stealing three lineouts per game is is quite a lot. And that's potentially the way that they'll nullify the, the Ulster Mall is to stop at the source, get up and try and win that lineout and um, disrupt it and not let Ulster get set. Um, their lineup defense is is kind of average. It's you know it's it's neither high nor low. So you know they'll there won't be any any pushovers. But I think yeah they'll they'll probably try and stop Ulster before they can even get kind of set. So that'll be kind of interesting to see that sort of battle in the air at the at the lineout. So um, yeah that's that's probably one to to look out for. Interesting. Hopefully, no Connacht fans are listening, or uh, they might pass that on to the Connacht setup. Say like, target the the line out, lads. I think that they're they're probably going to do that, and uh, we need to. And even last week, the line out mall didn't work all that well, and we we had to resort to doing other other stuff and and getting it out to the backs, and that worked. You know, just at times it didn't click uh, for our backs, um, and. Um, I don't know. I think I think maybe we need someone. Whether uh, I don't know, Mike Blair will be. What's he doing after this job, Craig? And he stepped down. Is he free or? Um, he's he's been quoted as saying he's not even thought about it yet. Um, so uh, we're hoping to try and keep him um, as a tack coach. But when yeah. you're looking at such a quality, he is. You know, no matter what the the results are for Edinburgh as a head coach, he is a he's one of the best attack coaches around. So I'm sure there'll be plenty of people coming and coming and knocking on his door. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're not we we don't know yet um, what's happening. Yeah. I haven't thought about it. The words of a man who's definitely thought about it. I think, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and also, there's a bit of a Scottish mafia building at uh, at Ulster as well, and their Patreon and his mates coming in. So, I you, you never know. Like Ulster could try and nab him. Um, we've sort of struggled a wee bit. We had Dwayne Peel and and uh, Jared Payne, who were pretty instrumental in our success and very popular coaches as well. And now they've both moved on. So we'll be looking for uh, potential attack coaches, uh, you know, at the end of this season. So we'll wait and see. But it's quite an odd move, you know, to be in that, that a head coach position and take the step down willingly. But you think that is a self-imposed, he's just like, ah, forget this. I, I know what I'm good at. Yeah, well, you you had to be convinced by the SRU to take the job on in the first place. He, his initial his initial um, discussions were, were were negative and said he didn't didn't want to take it on. Um, so you know he had to be cajoled into it. And actually, once he once he came on board and he has shown he took a he took a team. You know, Richard Cockrell started something, but you know gave us a a very very strong forward pack, but our attack was a bit blunt. Um, and where Mike Blair came in is he had this fantastic forward pack that were doing a very very good job at the time, and and just finessed the attack. Um, so, uh, but really, uh, he said the job's just too much. It takes up too much of his of his life. Um, so mm. he's he's an Edinburgh man through and through. He's always he's played for us for a long time as well. So it'll be a difficult one for him to move on. But then if you've got you know people like France or or um, you know an international squad looking for him, that be that might be quite an interesting move. You know. Or even if it's just a, a big French team with, with big money, that'd be quite an interesting move too, a bit of south of France, son. Yeah. I, I don't know. Belfast's pretty attractive, I think, say on a sunny day and um <laughs> 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 we could sell it to the Titanic Museum. 
Uh, I'm struggling to think of anything else uh, that we can use, but uh, no, Belfast great. We'll try and get Mike Blair over. Uh, we we could use someone. I don't know. Like I'll take it from you. Like he's a very good coach, uh, but uh, it's just been, as you say, it's been a disappointing season for Edinburgh. So, um, but obviously, in your opinion, not because of him at all. It's more just the, the nature of it. Sometimes teams have a have, a, have an up and down season. So. Um, so, look, as as we, I think we're coming uh, to the end of our time here. Very quickly, though, I just have a few quick fire questions. Um, and if you can answer in sort of a, a few words, um, that would be great. And only for those who want to chip in. So, very quickly, Ulster Connacht, and who do you expect to see in the final of the URC? Does anyone want to go first in that? It's sheer quietness. I'm going to have to, my, my big mouth will start then. I, I think. Uh... Also beat Connor, um, but I've got a feeling it's going to be um, a Leinster Stormers final. Nice, you started well there, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd probably agree with that uh, as well. Well, m- maybe not the final. I-, I would hope that if Ulster get through, we can maybe um, get Stormers back for for last season. And uh, yeah, I can't see anyone anyone but Leinster being in the final. So um, yeah, yeah Len- Leinster Ulster final will be positive. Nice, nice. We also I predict that you you see a well. No, I'll, I'll let you speak. What do you, what do you think? Uh, Ulster in the final, you. and to continue their uh, knockout winning run over Munster with another with a win over Munster. I think I I don't know. There's just this feeling. I, Munster have played like drains the whole season, but now there's just I've just this feeling. Ah, uh, they're gonna they're gonna put something together here. But then obviously there's Leinster. Uh, there's always Leinster, flipping Leinster. Um, uh, Nathan, what do you think? Uh, I think you have to back Ulster at home, although next week, well, 10 days, is it? I don't think either result will actually surprise me. Connacht was sneaky good the last couple of games. I mean, they went away to a Glasgow side that are playing some ridiculous rugby at the minute and lost by, what, two points? Um, and they've got, you know, 10 days prep and Andy Friend's potentially last game, all those narratives. I think I think that's going to be a hell of a game. I I still, I think Ulster should beat them at home, but no, the result would surprise me there. Um, and I think the travel will scupper the South Africans definitely. But I do actually think, having watched the Bulls over the weekend, um, I actually probably favour them over the two South Africans for what it's worth. Interesting, yeah, interesting. So, look, a, a mixed bag for what it's worth. Uh, I hope Ulster will reach the final. <laughs> That's all I'm prepared to say. No, I think I think we should. I think we should um, get there. I think look, in terms of during the week, um, there is an interesting bit from Stephen Ferris in uh, The Telegraph. Um, I'll read out a wee bit just because I think it's interesting and I think it sums up some people's thoughts. Okay, So this is Stephen Ferris's words, not mine. They won, they finished second, and let's be honest, if Ulster managed to win three more times to take the URC title and do so without playing particularly well, we'd all be happy enough, wouldn't we? That would be something that happened, but they have... That extra boost anyway with the home semi-final waiting for them if they win their home quarter-final. Having said that, I have deep concerns over this Ulster team. There are two bugbears for me here. One is the style of rugby Ulster are playing, and the other could well be linked to that and just how flat the atmosphere is at Ravenhill. Just feels something's not right. Ulster's attack just doesn't look right. It's not clicking. The words of Stephen Ferris, divisive as always, as usual. Uh, and look, I think uh, there's there's some truth in there. I think I don't want to end on a negative note because I think there's a lot of positivity. And I think even 
Johnny, your stats, uh, they're just, I mean, they're factual things that we sometimes neglect to uh, think about or mention. We come on this podcast, I'm sure you're the same, Craig. It's You watch games analytically and you sort of, you pick out the negative aspects sometimes and you forget uh, that there there are some good, maybe not with Edinburgh, sorry, it's a bad example. <laughs> oh, hang on a minute, you're supposed to be nice to guests on here. Hold on a minute. I know, apologies, Greg. I you've been re- you've been speaking too much to John Anderson. That's a problem. That's it. He's turned me against you all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but there are there are lots of positives we can we can um, pick out. Those words uh, from Ferris are sure to provoke. Debate as they already have. I've seen it mentioned quite a lot on their Facebook pages and all. There's some truth in them, certainly. You can't take away from the fact, however, Ulster have done well to recover from an awful patch over Christmas. Have come second. That's not to be sniffed at. Now it's the end of the uh, regular season. It's a good time to reflect, but we'll only have the full picture how the season went after the Connacht game. We should be reaching the final at home, given our home advantage. Not not final at home, but we should be reaching a final, given our home advantage and the team we have. Anything less, and to be honest, I think it's probably a failed season. Uh, they can do it, in my humble opinion, but regardless of what's going on in the background, some of the senior players probably need to step up now and take control of her destiny at this really important juncture in the season. So we'll be back next week. And uh, after that, for the Connick game, to talk about all things Ulster Rugby. Thanks again. That was such a good podcast. Uh, I probably shouldn't say that at the end of my own podcast, but it's such a good podcast. And that's because of you, the panel. So thanks, Nathan, Johnny, Ross, and Craig for joining. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks, all. Thank you. Hello the Red Hand listeners, this is Jonathan Moore from SS Moore Sports in Belfast. We're just opposite the front door of the City Hall onto Chester Street where we've been since 1950. We again, like most other years, carry a full range of the Ulster rugby product. We do hoodies, tees, polos, jackets, gilets, scarves, hats, luggage. We do adults and kids and that can be seen in store or online at ssmsports.co.uk. Hope to see you guys soon and don't forget, shop local. Imagine a place free from gravity. Imagine a place free from all external stimulation where the only thing you can hear is your own heartbeat. A place where your physical and mental health can rest and recover, where you can reconnect with your whole self. That place is Hydroease. Come and join us. You can find us at www.hydroease.com hydro-ease.co.uk